Do you hear him calling you today? Hallelujah, Jesus. Listen to the voice today. Listen to that sweet, soft voice. Because he's calling for you today. God wants you to give him your life today. Lift your hands and give him some praise today. Lord, we worship you, God. We thank you for being a healer, Lord. We thank you for always seeking after us. How many of us know how great God's love is for us? How great God's love is for this world. Hallelujah, Jesus. A little bit ago, Sister Hannah told us to breathe. And in the beginning, when God created man, he breathed the breath of life into them. And then later, when Jesus is sending out his disciples, it says that he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why we're saying we need to breathe this in. We need to breathe this air in, in this womb today, because there's a healer in this house. His spirit is ministering in this house. And you don't have to feel a touch. You don't have to, but all you gotta do is breathe in the breath of life that God has pushed into this room today. Nobody should leave this place the way you came. God wants to make all of our lives better. God wants to give healing to us. But your expectation that you carry into this room will determine what you take out of it. So let's, let's boost each other's faith today. Let's, let's, let's let God breathe life into this room today. Let's let his healing power move today in this room. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, because this is his kingdom. We're serving the king, and we're going to talk about that some more today. We've been talking about the kingdom, but today we're going to talk some more about the kingdom. Today's sermon is entitled, Seek Ye First the Kingdom. How many have heard that scripture before? We've had it quoted to us a lot. It's a beautiful scripture. It's in Matthew 6 and 33. Let's quote it together today. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things. We got to say it like that, don't we? You can't just say all these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I can't, 
I can't stop getting good reports from people around here. I don't have enough time to hear all the good things that God is doing for us in this house. I had brothers stopping me this morning telling me about amazing things that God's doing in their life. But it's not just because of nothing. But we are seeking his kingdom first and his righteousness. Hallelujah. And then he's adding all these beautiful things to our life. So you guys can be seated. Tell somebody around you Jesus loves them. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So this scripture talks about three things that we're going to dissect this morning. And the first thing it talks about is the kingdom. Seeking the kingdom. Not just, well, there's the kingdom. But looking, searching, like Christ seeked for the, for the, girl, the woman who lost the coin. How she searched her house. Seek the kingdom of God. That's number one. Then we, we talked about and his righteousness. And then we're going to talk about all the things. So we're going to break those three things down this morning. But before we get into the fun stuff, well, it's all fun, isn't it? Isn't it all fun? The kingdom's something we should be excited about. His righteousness is something we should be excited about. And all the things that he's going to add to us, we should be excited about. So let's look at the kingdom. We've been hearing a lot about the kingdom this year. And it's, it's caused me to do a lot of studying into what the kingdom is. And we know in Matthew 13, 44 through 46, it says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovers hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid, he hid it again. And then he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. In his excitement, this is the kingdom that we're talking about. This kingdom of God. And we, when we hear the word kingdom, we, we think about, you know, we think about England. We think about the kingdom of England. We think about these kingdoms that are stationary. But we're not talking about that when we're talking about the heavenly kingdom. I, I like to think about Rome and how it was ever advancing and expanding and growing. That's the type of kingdom that we're talking about. We're talking about a kingdom without boundaries. I picture it in my mind like a glowing liquid flowing from heaven and covering the earth and seeping into every hole in our dark world. That's what the kingdom of God should be doing in our world today. I know some people who think that their job doesn't matter. But your representation of that kingdom. And that kingdom should be penetrating every area of our life. I don't care if you're a greeter at Walmart. You should be the brightest greeter that you've got. Hey, welcome to Walmart. Jesus is coming again soon. Welcome to Walmart. Jesus loves you. That's how the kingdom should be affecting the world. And if it cost me selling everything to advance that kingdom, I should be excited about it. I should be happy about it because the kingdom's first. I should seek the kingdom first. Nothing else matters but the kingdom's advancement in this dark world. Again, it says in verse 45 that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant 
on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovers this great pearl of value, he sells everything again that he owns to buy it. Everything. And he doesn't do it begrudgingly. Well, I found this pearl. I guess I got to sell everything and go buy it. No. He's found a treasure. He willingly gives up everything for this treasure. I don't know if you guys, I know you guys realize, I know every one of you guys realize, this is a treasure that you're sitting in today. When you tell your neighbor about the word of God, you're not just giving them nothing, you're handing them a treasure. And if it requires me selling everything to further that, then that's worth it. And I'm going to do it excited because I get to be a part of the kingdom. You know how exciting that is? Jesus sent out his disciples. They came back and they're like, Jesus, we cast out demons. Now, how, exci how exciting is that? It's one that you know, I like preaching, but if I cast out a demon, oh my goodness, you're going to read about Dan Tackett in the news. Like this is a miracle. What a great miracle. But Jesus is like, you know what? I saw Satan fall like lightning. Be happy that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. It don't matter about the miracles. It don't, you get to spend an eternity with me. You're part of my kingdom. That's worth selling everything you own for. That's worth giving everything away for. Because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't care how many demons I cast out. I don't care how many miracles I do. God, I want to spend an eternity with you. You alone, God. And I don't want no one to miss out on that joy. So I want to spread that to everyone we come in contact with. We should be a shining light. You know, my birthday was just a few months ago. So I had some birthday money I had to go spend. So I went to go buy this suit. And I'm not kidding you. I was confronted by a Satanist. And I'm not calling him that. He called himself that. But I walked into the store to buy this suit, and I'm in a happy mood. And I dress nice, because if you do, if you don't, they won't talk to you. They're like, you know, I have money, so. So I dress nice, and I walk into this place, and I swear I bumped into me from 20 years ago. Except for the Satanist part. But I mean, long hair, piercings, tattooed up. Wild guy. My kind of guy. My friend. So I'm, I walk in, I'm happy. I'm like, here, I'm good, you know me. So we start talking, and... He keeps raining on my sunshine. Like, I'm happy. I'm in here buying a suit. Everything's good. And he's, uh, and he's naysaying. And so I, I start telling him, you know, I used to be in a band. I used to sing. I used to do metal. I'm not a fashion guy, but I need a suit now. I'm in front of too many people. So I'm like, help me get this suit. So I'm getting to the point where I'm frustrated with this guy. And I'm like, I'm not even going to buy it. Then I put the suit on. It fit me perfect. I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> okay, God. So I say, all right, I'm going to buy it. I tell him, you know what, let's, let's take it. We go up to the register, and he goes, so why did you choose to leave music and start preaching? And I go, oh, that's why I had to buy the suit, God. <laughs> and now I get it. And I, so I told him, I said, you know what, I said, honestly, I was raised in church. I said, it kind of, you know, it was something I always wanted to do. I said, but it finally, it was like God opened up doors. And I told him, I said, so what the real question is, is why did the church choose me? And I started laughing, and, and he's like, oh, he said, well, I feel like if I walked into church, I'd catch on fire. 
And so I started laughing again. I said, well, don't worry about it. They let me preach. <laughs> You're going to be all right. You can come on in and have a seat. You're going to be just fine, you know. So we, we had a great conversation. In the end, I was happy. He was happy. He said, hey, if you need anything else, my name's Ezekiel. He's like, you're going to remember that. I was like, yes, I will. <laughs> I'm going to know those Bible names. So I left there, and I'm happy, and I'm driving home, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? There might not be a lot of Christians that would have talked to him and been happy with him. He told me, I got pentagrams tattooed, I got crosses. Uh, and I said, you know what, that's all right. You can come to our church. And I'm on my way home, and I'm thinking about that. And I'm like, yeah, a lot of people might not have witnessed to him. I said, but I, I can't help it because I said, God loves him more. And then I thought about it, like, wait a minute, God, you love me a lot. <laughs> what do you mean you love him more? And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're the 99. He's the one. Oh. Oh. Oh, the 99 got a good life. We're in the pen. We're taking care of. He's feeding us. He's clothing us. But we better go after the one. We better fill this church full of ones. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want a church full of sinners. You know why? Because Jesus sat with the sinners. Mm. God forbid our church ever get to the point where we're full of just Christians. He might go looking for the one. I'm going to bring the one here. So he'll come be with me here. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We got to get a mind about the kingdom. I got to think about the kingdom first. I can't put my own worries but ahead of God. Because he's going to take care of my worries. We read that scripture in the beginning of this about seeking the first, the kingdom. And that comes from Matthew 6. So let's go back to Matthew 6. Let's see what all led up to this scripture. Starting in verse 19, it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where the moth eat them and rust destroys them. How many of you are sick of storing up stuff that's just getting destroyed? It's like you put something away, you're like, I'm going to get to that in a few months. By the time you get to it, it's already destroyed. They're like, well, I'm sick of that. It's time for us to start putting our treasures where the enemy can't touch it. Mm. We pay our tithes so the destroyer stays off our trail. He's seeking after the ones in the world. But I pay my tithes so that I'm a part of the kingdom and he can't touch my stuff. I'm building my treasures in heaven. Where the thieves break in and steal. But store your treasures in heaven where the moss and the rust cannot destroy them. And the thieves cannot break in and steal them. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Mm, This kingdom's a treasure, guys. Your heart better be in it. Your heart better be in this treasure. Just like the merchant who searched and they found the treasure and he sold everything because his heart was in the treasure. My heart is in the kingdom. I've got to see the kingdom advance. It's the only way Jesus is coming back. Right? We win the whole world. We can make this a lot quicker, right? 
He says in verse 22, your eye is a lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, the whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Now, I was telling you guys about me buying a suit, and I'm in there and I'm shining my light, and he's darkening it. And I'm shining my light, and he's darkening it. But I was like, you ain't going to win. Because I remember in John, it said when he came into the world that he was the light and the light extinguished the darkness. The light doesn't run from the darkness. The darkness runs from the light. So every time he tried to darken my mood, I shined a little bit brighter. I'm going to keep shining my light. And I could have stopped. I could have argued. I could have sat down and had this philosophical debate about how you should not be a Satanist. And I could have let it darken my light. But if I'd have won the argument, and I'd have left there dark, how deep that darkness is. How many times have we we've won arguments, we've said the right thing, but we lost our light. We lost our light. It's our light that's going to win people. It's our light that's going to lead people to Jesus. It's that shining that's going to make people say, what does he got? What can, how can I get that? It's not going to be your logic. It ain't going to be your wisdom. It ain't going to be the fact that you know everything. It's going to be the light of Christ shining out from the inside of you. Hallelujah. I preached to the youth group a couple weeks ago about letting your light shine. And I told them, it's kind of like those glow-in-the-dark shirts that you can buy. And if you leave it in the room in the dark by itself, it doesn't glow anymore. But if I hold it up to the light, I can turn the light off and it'll brighten the whole room. That's why you should be at church every Sunday. That's why you should be at church every single Sunday. Because if that light grows dim inside of you, then you ain't going to shine for anybody. But as long as I'm standing next to the sun, then I'm going to shine for this world to see. And this world is looking for a light. They're getting sick of being in the dark. In verse 24, he goes on here. Again, this is about seeking the kingdom. This is about the kingdom first and his righteousness and all that will be added unto you when you get it right, when you get it in order. And in verse 24, he tells us, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and you will love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now in the King James Version it says mammon. If you do a little search into that, mammon was an old god of greed and gluttony and hoarding. And God's telling us we ain't got to worry about that. I don't have to hoard for the future as long as I'm still serving God in the future. He's going to take care of me tomorrow just like he's taking care of me today. So I'm free to not worry about it and let my light shine for the kingdom. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Everyday life. Everyday life. Don't worry 
about your everyday life. It ain't good for you. It ain't good for your health. It ain't going to change anything. It's just the devil's way of destroying you. And the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But God came that you would have life and that you'd have it more abundantly. So he gave you an order here. Seek ye first the kingdom and my righteousness. And I'll add everything else to it. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food? And isn't your body more than clothing? Now, again here, God's not telling us, don't worry about food, go hungry. Because I'm going to tell you what, if you haven't had food in a little bit, you're going to worry about it. If I ain't got no clothes, you're all going to worry. <laughs> We're all worrying about things that we don't have. So God's not telling us you ain't going to have it. He's saying, I'm going to supply it so you don't have to worry about it. You can put the kingdom first. You ain't got to stay up all night trying to figure out how you're going to pay this bill. You're a child of the king. You ain't going hungry. You ain't going with no clothes on. All you have to do is worry about the kingdom. Because you ain't got nothing else to worry about if you're serving a good God. And we serve a good God. We serve a good God who reigns on the just and the unjust. That means he's blessing everybody. So I ain't got to worry about it anyways. I might as well seek ye first the kingdom. I might as well put the kingdom first. He tells us, look at the birds. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Are we more valuable than the animals? A little lower than the angels. We're more valuable. We name the animals. We reign over the animals. If he cares about them, and he cares, because it just told us that, how much more does he care about you? He cares about your life. God doesn't want to see anybody suffer. We put ourselves in predicaments that causes us to suffer. And the whole time, God's suffering right along with us. Because he never intended that for our life. He planned for you to have a blessed life. If we wouldn't have messed it up in the garden, we'd all be happy right now. But even in that, he had a backup plan ready. Because his intentions are good for your life. And why worry? Because can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No, they take it away. They take away your life. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies in the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing. Yet Solomon, I, think, I don't think it's a coincidence here, that Jesus uses the richest guy in the Bible to make this point. He didn't say, well, you know, look at Peter over here. He's just pretty nice. No, he goes to the richest guy in the Bible. The guy who was dressed the nicest. And he says, even Solomon isn't dressed as nice as I can dress you. I decorated the fields. I can take care of you. I'll give you so much clothes you won't know what to do with. I'll give you so much food you'll never go hungry. I'll give you so much money you can bless the kingdom. But you got to put the kingdom first. Hallelujah, Jesus. And if God cares, 
so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So here Christ, he ties it in. He ties it in. He says, you know what? I'm wanting to bless you. God wants to take care of you. God wants to feed you. God wants to close you. God wants to do all these things. But he can't because of your little faith. Why do you have such little faith? The faith of a bird? You know the faith of a bird? You know the faith of a flower? We're better than that. We're better than that. We just heard so many lies whispered into our ears. We started forgetting the truth. We've heard the world tell us, well, tomorrow's going to be rough. It ain't going to get any better. It's all uphill from here. We've heard these lies so long that we started believing them over the truth. The truth is God loves you and he wants to bless you. And I don't care if the world doesn't like it. They can't stop it. Have some faith. And don't worry about these things, saying, what should I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? These dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. And it should. But we ain't unbelievers. We're a house full of believers and believe that God's good. God's going to take care of me. And I can go ahead and tell my buddy, God's got you. God's going to make your life better too because he's a God of love. And even when we're not faithful, he's still faithful. He still loves us. He still blesses us. How many times do people say, well, you know, that person, they really didn't deserve that new car. I can't believe God gave him that new car. That's why. Because he loves everyone. He wants to bless everybody. Quit worrying about him getting a new car. Why don't you increase your faith? You'll get a new car. Yeah. Start putting the kingdom first. But if your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Man, God's so good. So many times as I'm thinking about what I need, God's already working out a plan to provide. So many times. I'll be like, someone will come over and give me something that I needed. And I'm like, man, I just prayed about that on Monday. They're like, yeah, I was thinking about giving it to you on Sunday. Before I ever even prayed for it, God already knew my needs. And he already knows your needs. He's going to supply your needs. Don't let the devil make you start worrying about it. Don't let the devil make you an unbeliever. Because you're a child of faith. You know God loves you. You know he's on your side. Let him be. And then you'll have some free time. You can focus on the kingdom. You can do more for the kingdom. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. So we're back to our beginning scripture here. And live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Seek ye first the kingdom and thy righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So we see what the kingdom is. The kingdom is God's kingdom. 
<laughs> it's God's kingdom that reaches over the whole world and in the heavens. And we should be seeking the advancement of that kingdom above everything else. And what are all the things that will be added to us? Food, clothes, happiness, joy, peace, the fruit of the Spirit. All these things are what's going to be added unto us. But in the middle of that there, he tells us to also seek after his righteousness. His righteousness. That means I got to be righteous like him, and then he supplies all my needs. But I need faith for that. I got to believe in that as well. So let's look at Luke chapter 17. Because in this passage, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to increase our faith. I want to increase my faith. I don't want to worry about tomorrow. I don't want to worry about what I got to wear. I don't want to worry about that stuff. I want to be able to focus on the kingdom. So I got to have faith to do that. So I'm interested. What did he say to them? How did he tell them how to increase their faith? I need to do that too. And the apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. And the Lord answered, if you have faith, even as much as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, a lot of times, we stop there. We stop there. We go, okay, I just got to have faith the size of a mustard seed. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Wouldn't have even seen a mustard seed if I hadn't been to church my whole life. <laughs> but, but what does that mean? How do I have faith like a mustard seed? Well, Christ wasn't done explaining. We got to keep reading here. Because he's going to teach you a little bit about his righteousness. That's what we've got to be like. If I want to have this faith, I got to have his righteousness. And he tells him here, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of the sheep, does the master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, serve me while I eat, then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he is told to do? Of course not. In the same way, you obey me, you, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants and have simply done our job. That's the righteousness of Christ. That's what he's calling us to be like. I want to seek the kingdom. I want to be righteous like Christ. When I get done working in the field, I'm not worrying about me. I'm not going to go in and sit down and eat, put my feet up. How can I serve you more, Master? While you eat, I'm going to serve you because that's your righteousness. That's what God did. God of the universe wrapped himself in flesh, came to this sinful world for you, to serve you. To please his father that's his righteousness and if I want to increase my faith I better start living like him and you know, Ephesians tells us put on his breastplate of righteousness so it's not mine it's not my own righteousness it's his righteousness that I get to put on but I've got to represent the king I've got to push the kingdom further and I can't do that on my own righteousness so I've got to start acting like the king. 
I've got to start putting his intentions first. I've got to have a mind of Christ. The Bible tells us we have the mind of Christ, right? Yes, it does. So many people say, I don't know the will of God. I don't know what I should do in my life. Yes, you do. You have the mind of Christ. Further the kingdom. Further the kingdom. One soul at a time. Don't go after the 99. One soul at a time. Seek that one down and save his soul. Show him who Jesus is. And you're advancing the kingdom. And while you're doing that, God's going to add all these things unto you. Hallelujah. If you guys will come, I promise I'll stop. <laughs> if God will let me. If God will let me. Hallelujah. His kingdom first. Above everything else. It'd be a shame for me to walk in this house and have a hole in this roof and go home to my house and it'd be nice. It'd be a shame. Because this is God's house. This is my father's house. I'm going to make sure it's well taken care of. My dad's house better be nicer. I better make sure he's taken care of. Mine, I'll get to it when I can get to it. But God is on my side. God's not going to let me lack. He's not going to let you down. He's going to take care of your needs. You start taking care of his needs. Mm, that's a beautiful relationship right there. That's a beautiful relationship. Isn't that what God desires? Is a relationship with human beings. Isn't that why he came all the way down here? It's so he could have a relationship with you. Not a terrible relationship. Not the world's type of relationship where I care for me, you care for you, and then we just meet in the middle. No. Where I live for you and you live for me. Those are the relationships that work. Is that right? Can I get a witness? Are those the relationships that work? Anybody see a relationship work where the persons are so self-centered that that's all they care about? Those are the relationships we see fall apart. And God can heal that too. God can fix that situation too. We've got to remember that it's not about us. It's about the kingdom. It's about God. It's about being accepted into heaven. Welcome, my good and faithful servant. That's all that matters. That's all that I hear. That's all I need to hear. It does, I don't need to have someone tell me I got so much money. I don't need to have anybody tell me how great I look. I need to hear, welcome, my good and faithful servant. You put the kingdom first. Now come join me for an eternity in heaven. That's where he's at. He's prepared a home for us. He didn't forget about us. He didn't leave us. He went to prepare a place where we can be with him. But he left us here as his ambassadors to further the kingdom here so we can bring as many people with us when we go. And we, we want to be like Christ. I want to be like him. I want to put first his kingdom. But Christ also had a moment. He didn't feel like it. So many times people go, I, I don't go to church, I didn't feel like it. I didn't do things for the kingdom, I didn't feel like it. I don't want to go up and talk to that person in church. You know, last Sunday we were here and God was moving to me to go up and pray for Brother Shondell. Where is he at? 
Number one. Number one. Behind me. Oh. God was moving on us in the middle of service. And God was pressing on my heart to go up and pray for him. I didn't want to go up and pray for him. We're right here in the church. Bishop Hutchins is here. I want to look like some hot shot. Let me go pray for him. I had to put on his righteousness. <laughs> I'm not a hot shot, but he is. He's kind of a big deal. And I better represent that properly. So I put myself aside. I walked up here and I prayed for him. And then this week on Facebook, what'd you post? <laughs> yeah, go on. You can tell it. You can tell it better than me. Uh, I posted that uh, I'm in remission from having lupus. I was diagnosed with lupus three years ago. And, uh... From lupus. Remission from lupus. His kingdom. His kingdom. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. There's healing in this house. Hallelujah. Healing. There's miracles. There's miracles too. And you know what? He had already been tested for that. So I'm not saying it was me that did it. Walk up. It was God that did it. It was God who did it. But we better be able to move when he tells us to. Because we're his representatives. I don't want to miss an opportunity to further his kingdom. But sometimes we don't feel like it. I didn't feel like it. I didn't want to walk up. But I'm going to put that aside. Because Christ did. Christ did in Matthew 26 and 36. And then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. The hill of the skull. How many liked learning about that last week? The skull. That's awesome. Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John's, and he became anguished and distressed. Because of us, because of our sin, he's distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And he went a little further and he bowed his face to the ground praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. That's Christ. But he was in flesh. He didn't want to die. He didn't want to go be suffering. He didn't want to be tortured. And he knew what he was in for. He didn't want that. But just like he wants us to do. Yet, I want your will to be done. Not mine. I don't want to give everything I have for your kingdom, God. But you did. You gave it when you didn't feel like it. When Jesus didn't want to go suffer. But he knew it was worth it. He saw you like a treasure in a field. And he gave everything. He gave it everything. He gave his life. Excited to go back and purchase you. To go back and get the treasure that he buried deep inside of you. Let's stand today.
It's his righteousness, people. We need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto us. It's a good life. God will bless you. God will take care of you. But we got to make the first things first. I got to make sure that his house is taken care of. You guys need a Sunday school teacher? I, I don't want to be around kids, but I'll do it. Why? Because he did it. He did it for me. When he didn't want to, he did it for me. You guys, you guys need someone to come plow the snow? I don't like shoveling snow, but I'll do it for his kingdom. I'll put on his righteousness for his kingdom. And then all these things, everything will be added unto you. But you got to get this mindset of God. I know I was out in the field plowing all day. I know I've been at work and I worked hard all day. But I'm not going to come in and just put my feet up and eat. I'm going to put on my apron and I'm going to serve you, God. And I'm going to be grateful that I got to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's opportunities to serve in this house. We'll find you something to do. I don't care how small it is. It's advancing the kingdom. But I've got to put it first. And I've got to get his righteousness. We get that from spending time in his presence. And when two or three are gathered together, he's in their midst. Brother Hitchens said it really good last week that this is sacred. This is sacred. Because this is where God comes down to meet his people. This is where he performs surgery on your heart. This is where he takes the ailments out of your body. This is where he passes out healing and blessing. When we gather together in his name. You know, I don't feel like it. Sometimes I don't feel like coming up here. I'd rather go home, go get something to eat, go watch a football game. He didn't feel like sacrificing either. It says it right here. He didn't feel like it. He said, I don't want to suffer, God. If there's any way you could take this cup from me. But not my will. But thy will be done. And then all these things will be added unto you. So we're going to open this up today. We're going to have ministers up here. They'll lay hands on you. They'll, they'll, they'll partner with your faith. But more importantly, the presence of God is up here right now. Simply breathe it in. Simply come up here and breathe it in. Let him heal you today. Let him change you today. Let him make you more righteous like him today. So don't wait. Come join me. Come join me. Dear Lord Jesus, make us more like you, God. Give us a heart like you, God. A heart that seeks after the one. A heart that's hungry for people who want to be more like you, God. Help us to reach the lost, Lord. To put your kingdom first. 
that nothing else matters, Lord, but that I hear you say my name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, make us more like you every day, God. Your love, your love. 